missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, fans podcast andrew santo and joe here to talk about some epl action that happened over the week as well as some champions league news that occurred uh during the week that uh was pretty pretty crucial for the for this upcoming season the champions league draw happened on thursday of this week and we're going to talk about how there might be one or two group of deaths and maybe have a prediction of the top two teams coming out of each group Let's get into it. Uh, so, Group A, people were saying that this might be a group of death just because Leipzig has shown a big improvement mm-hmm. over their um, last couple of seasons. But, I mean, there's only one clear-cut group of death, in my opinion. That's Group B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was having some feelings about uh, Group E because, um, you know, with Bayern and Barca, Benfica... Dynamo, but um, you know, Group B is pretty clear cut. It's gonna be tough every single game, unless uh, some team gets some massive injuries and just completely botches their Champions League copes. Then that's gonna be, you know, any any one of those teams could finish and get through. I mean, in terms of competitiveness, like Group B and Group F are the ones I would say. Like, I'm not entirely sure. Who's going to go through? Like, probably Atletico and Liverpool. Um, but, like, obviously with the Champions League, you never know. Um, group F is really... I can't... Between Villarreal, Manu, and Atlanta, I can't see a clear-cut top two. Mm-hmm. All the other ones, I probably have a good idea. Um, like, I don't think Group A is the group of death. I mean, City's for sure going through. The only reason Paris wouldn't go through is if, for whatever reason, <laughs> all their signings don't mesh. But I can't see those two not going through. Yeah, and if, yeah. You look at, if you look at Group B, Atletico, Liverpool, and Porto are all pretty recent champions of their leagues. Mm-hmm. I mean, Milan has had a, a bit of a resurgence the last couple of seasons with some with some crucial signings and just with the new manager being in there and how they've changed their playing style. But they're nothing to slouch at because last year they were even neck and neck with Inter for a good part mm-hmm. of the season. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Inter Milan just kind of pulled away and they showed that they actually were the... Uh, uh, you know, the champions to be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like Joe said, like Atletico, Liverpool, Porto, Milan, that's that's a spicy meatball of a group. I know. It is. And, yeah. like, you take, uh, I mean, like, last season, obviously, with Champions League, uh, your home games are crucial because you have, like, the support of your home fans. Mm-hmm. And last year, that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're going to go into the San Siro 
and play mm. against Milan at home. You're going to go to Porto and play against them at home, Liverpool yeah. at home. Those are going to be huge games compared to us what they were last year where there's empty stadiums. Yeah. And then you look at the same, th- same thing that Joe was also saying too with Group F. Villarreal, Man United, Atalanta, and Young Boys. I mean, take your pick. Yeah. I don't right? know. Yeah. Young Boys, I mean, clearly are probably the, the lowest uh, skill side out of the four. Mm. But, I mean, Atalanta like, play yeah. a run and gun game. United mm-hmm. are kind of inconsistent. They're getting better, obviously, but they're kind of inconsistent. Yeah. yeah. And then Villarreal are coming off a Europa win and a Super Cup final. And, you know, they could yeah. easily sneak away with nine. That one's going to be interesting. Nine points. That one's going to come down to, like, the last day, I think. Yeah. It's going to be tough. There's going to be a few draws in that one for sure. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely going to be a big one for Pep, I think, where... Um, you know, I don't see, obviously, his job being in any situation, even if he doesn't win Champions League this year. But I just mean that, obviously, this is a competition that Man City's been building to win for for the longest time now. Yeah. And they still haven't won. You know, I think last year, personally, I thought that it, they were going to get away with it when they were going to face Chelsea in the final. Yeah. And that obviously didn't happen. So well, it's we'll just, see. it's turning into a situation where City, like I think Chelsea, because you know every team has that one team that they just can't beat. Like I remember it was like Germany's vice was Italy for the longest time, yeah. even though on paper they were so much better. Um, they just could not do with Italy until they beat them in PKs finally. I feel like City's that way with Chelsea now. Because um, I yeah. look at this, I think City's got the edge almost on almost everyone but if like if they run to chelsea again it's like that's always going to be hanging over their heads like oh we had that run last season where we lost him in the league lost him in the fa cup and then we lost him like that sticks with you and it gets you know gets in your head so that's that's my one thing about city winning champions league um obviously they, they could lose to anyone but i feel like they do have to win champions league soon otherwise it's gonna be the same thing with pep at byron like some people would consider that a failure, even though he won a bunch of trophies because he never won Champions League with Bayern. You know, it could be a same situation here. Did he win with Barcelona, though, Pep? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And that's why people always say it's like, oh, can he win Champions League without Messi? When he joined Man City, obviously, he does have all, all the titles that he's won domestically, but the one that's got away is a Champions League title for Man City. That's clearly what they've been striving for the last couple of seasons. I mean, with the squad they have now, though, um, I mean, as particularly if, if they land a striker, I'm not sure if they're going to before the transfer window closes, but they'll probably sign one in January. I'm not entirely sure who, but if they get a striker, they should, like they should win. I don't see why not on paper. They're probably the best team. I mean, other than Paris, but you know, we'll see how those five new players mesh together with the rest of the team. It's going to be tough to go the distance, like without that chemistry. Yeah. And obviously coming down to the last couple of days here of the transfer market season, they did try their darndest to get Harry Kane. And clearly that didn't yeah. work out. So mm-hmm. I think their backup plan was to go for Ronaldo, which, again, clearly didn't work out. Yeah. Well, I heard they wanted Jesus for Ronaldo. Yeah. Which, it, yeah. to me, is nuts. Like, you know, obviously know. Ronaldo's Ronaldo, but, like, Jesus has a lot of potential. Like, you know, so they're all like, we're not going to Well, I think in, in Juventus's case, they were trying to, like, lower the, the transfer budget, lower the transfer price. Yeah. And get Jesus instead of having a high transfer price and, like, having not yeah. Jesus. Um, I think they're just trying to make it like enticing. I yeah. guess. Yeah. Because like Juve was struggling to get rid of him because like they couldn't yeah. afford his salary anymore. Right. So they're paying him five hundred K a week. And like yeah. 
they just they couldn't afford him because his his play did decline over the last couple of years, in, as a whole. Mm-hmm. But what I can't understand is how people are still saying how he had an unsuccessful time at Juve, when over like three years he had a hundred goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like how I did, can you imagine just going somewhere and be like, oh yeah, like just send a striker that's going to get us hundred goals in three yeah. seasons. And like you don't find strikers like that nowadays. And with him, he's the one person you can probably sign where you know you're going to get that kind of quality. Exactly. Yeah. And people were calling it a failure because he didn't achieve any Champions League success for Juve, and that's kind of been what they've been missing the last mm-hmm. I don't know, couple decades. And he's only one man. He's only one player. Yeah. And he showed day in and day out the last couple of seasons when he was there that he still is quality, mm-hmm. and he still was performing best on that team. Obviously, you had the likes of Chiellini and Benucci in the back that even though they don't make like the headlines all the time, they're just solid players and they mm. obviously are world-class players. Yeah. But when you consider a world-class player to be the one that gets you over the edge and provides for your team and creates for your team and makes your team better as a whole, that's Ronaldo. Yeah. And he showed it every single time he played for them. He had 29 goals, I think, last season yeah. and maybe like eight assists. Yeah. So that's at least 35, let's just say chances created yeah. that turned into goals mm-hmm. where is that coming from now yeah because yeah. they didn't replace him yeah yeah it's gonna be tough for them i think i mean they signed moise Keane, but like obviously you're not gonna get them. they already had moise Keane. <laughs> they, did, they so pulled true. the chelsea yeah they had moise Keane, <laughs> loaned him to everton i think they sold him to everton and then everton loans him to psg where he like goes on fire with neymar goes yeah. back to everton i'm not trying to buy him back again yeah. for a higher price than what they sold him for yeah i mean uh, Oy. it's just poor management i think man like poor yeah. player management financial management well one thing i heard about the whole ronaldo thing was a lot of speculation was around his uh agent where the whole man city thing him going to man city was just kind of a play for man you to react quicker to sign him and there was never really any interest of him or really any chance of him going to city yeah, you know, I don't think Man City were particularly like really eager to get him. I think if they could have got him for something that they would have considered kind of maybe a steal, they would have taken him. But I don't think they were going to really heavily pursue him and really, really try to get him. Yeah, well, because they do like obviously Ronaldo's good, but I don't think that's necessarily the striker they need right now. They need someone that's going to be at the club for like the next five years, probably, you know. So it would be tough to get Ronaldo, probably knowing, you know, he's got like two, three years left. Um, but no, like Kane would be ideal because I could see Kane staying there for like, you know, who knows how long. Yeah, he's so young enough. Yeah, so yeah. that's the kind of striker they need. So in thinking about it that way, I don't know if Ronaldo would make total sense because, um, you know, like I said, two, three years maybe he'd be gone. They'd have to get another striker probably. But a lot of the time with, with City now too, it's kind of like a win now mentality because I think they're starting to get a little bit more pressure from ownership to perform well in the Champions League mm-hmm. because they've won domestically everything they can. And like, yeah. again, like the biggest crowning achievement would be Champions League title. And news coming out a couple of days ago that Pep is actually considering leaving the next couple of seasons. You guys see that? I did see that. Um, he wants to go coach international. Yeah. And I think, I mean, last I heard on that was he doesn't really have any major intentions of leaving in 2023. 
So he said it's not going to be, this isn't like the start of a long goodbye where I think his plans are he is going to stay past 2023. Um, but that's just like the latest that I've heard that's come out. Um, we'll see if it actually happens because next thing you know, next year could come and he just decides to go coach an international team. Mm-hmm. But that's the latest I heard. So we'll see if it actually happens because... Yeah, I think he, more than anyone, is going to be a person that wants to win Champions League with City because if he goes just from Barcelona, where you know he had one of the best teams ever, wins Champions League, goes to Bayern, doesn't win, goes to City, doesn't win, it might feel like hit, like a little bit of a failure to him. So I'm pretty sure he, he could stay at City till he wins unless it just gets to a point where he loses the team and the quality he has now and just accepts the loss type thing. Yeah. I think I I could see that happening, especially with the team he has now. Like, I don't... Was his Barcelona team this good? Like, it was really good, but now... But, like, especially in this modern age, yeah, to have a team this stacked, especially with how the transfer market is, like, it's it would be hard to assemble a team like this, I think, ever again. Like, it's... You think he wants to leave on like a like as like the like on a high like yeah. he wants to yeah. get the Champions League title then leave. I think there, I there might be a chance, and this is just like pure speculation. If he does win Champions League this season and next season, I think there might whoa, be a whoa, chance whoa, back to back. No, just I mean <laughs> like in one of the next two seasons. Okay, if he yeah. does win, I think maybe there's a chance he would leave after. Um, but obviously it's gonna it's all gonna predicate on. On him and how well they do. Yeah, I, I just I saw the headline and I, I was kind of intrigued by it because that was that came out right around the time that Ronaldo was rumored to go there. Mm-hmm. So you're saying how you don't see Ronaldo being a long term fit? Well, if Ronaldo was to stay for two years and Pep was to stay for two years, yeah, then there's his window. Yeah. So I mean, you're gonna get a top notch, world class player for his last two years. He's 36 years old, Ronaldo. Yeah. So clearly his play is gonna decline and his, you know, his skill set is gonna get even more depleted more than it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, let's just wait and see what happens when he makes his debut for United. Yeah. Cause yeah. He, he could just be a firecracker for that team and just set it off, you know? I know. Yeah. And honestly, I hope he does. I mean, really, I just, even for the pure, uh, thing about sport and just, you know, people pushing the limit, I hope he's 40 and he's still just playing really competitive. Cause it'll just show like, Hey, you know, your career is going to last as long as you stay healthy and fit. So, um, hopefully he's on menu in Champions League scoring goals into his 40s and it'll just be a, a win for athleticism and proper health and nutrition oh <laughs> overall this guy he doesn't look like he could slow down either no that's the thing yeah like he he trains like a horse he look he's built like a horse yeah like I, I could just see him playing until he's 45 like <laughs> yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be Buffon but uh, in the outfield just <laughs> Constantly going to be there. Um, we'll see how many team jumps he, he has to do before yeah. he calls it quits. Speaking of that, do you think he would... Let's just say he signs a two-year contract. I'm not even sure what his contract actually is with United. Mm-hmm. Signs a two-year contract. He, he's 38 years old. He still mm-hmm. wants to play. That's what I was just going to ask. Like, Where does he go after Man U if he leaves? I have no clue. PSG, like, maybe. Yeah. Like, does he go back to Messi? Does he go back to Lisbon? Does he go back to Portugal? I could see that, mate. Well, does he make actually, an MLS jump? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, at that stage, it's all about you know how you want to end your career and what you want to do 
like next, right? Like what's, what's kind of your next step is after you're playing. So if he wants to, you know, go into some sort of, I don't know, business branding, I mean, you could do that anywhere, but it would be interesting to see him come to the U S for kind of just that notoriety of coming to the U S and seeing what happens here. Um, or he could just go back home and, um, you know, I don't know if he has plans of being a coach, but mm-hmm. maybe going back to Lisbon and doing something, I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be interesting because interesting he's really set the mark for, I guess, fame in, in football, right? And his name's always going to be floating around somewhere. Yeah, it's been almost 20 years, but it's like been him and Messi mm-hmm. yeah. synonymous with each other. And clearly Messi left Barcelona to go to PSG this season. Huge news. But Ronaldo, I feel like he has nothing to prove anymore. Yeah. Like, again, like kind of like Messi too. Like he had nothing to prove by leaving Barca to go to PSG. Like, he, has, he doesn't have to go show his worth still and like yeah, you know, say, "Oh, look how good I am! Still, I can still play. I can still win trophies." Because we know he can still do that. Yeah. So in Ronaldo's case, I mean, it's been some time now since United have lifted the trophy. Yeah. So maybe he is gonna go there and make an immediate impact and hopefully push him over the edge. Mm-hmm. In in their sake. Um, but no, it'd be good to see. I mean, I'm excited. Yeah, I, it kind of sucks that he didn't make his debut today in the match. Mm-hmm. Um, going into international break next week, I believe they have Newcastle. I think. Yeah. On the following, uh, following Saturday or Sunday. So in about 14 days' time, <laughs> that could be it. It's probably you might see the return of uh, Ronaldo in the in the famous red of United. <laughs> it's gonna be quite the reception. <laughs> Okay. It's oh, gonna be it's gonna be good to I see. I think it actually might be an away match though. I'll look it up. I think it's I think it might be Newcastle away. Yeah. Well um, whenever uh whenever the next home match is with uh with United, that's gonna be that's gonna be something to watch. So uh, no, no think, it's at home. Yeah. Is it home? Yeah. Oh it is at home. Okay, yeah. wow, there we go. So here so we it's go. Saturday Saturday eleventh, ten AM. Canadian time. <laughs> Every, everyone watch Eastern, uh, Eastern time. Everyone watch the start of Man U Newcastle. Well, we'll see if he starts or if he comes on. You see, Messi didn't start today. Yeah, I saw that. Did he come on as a yeah. as a substitute? I think so. Last I saw on ESPN. Um, yeah, maybe they're just easing him in. You know, obviously it's Messi, but like you know, coming into a new team, you probably got to be eased in. Not sure. Um, let's see who. What was the starting lineup? Uh, Neymar, Di Maria. Neymar, Di Maria. Yeah. Neymar, Mbappe, and Di Maria. Who did he come on for? Oh, whoops. Um. Yeah, I guess it doesn't really. I don't know how that. Sh- I don't know how it yeah. shows that. No, he came on as a sub though in the second half. But yeah, like Joe said, they probably just got to ease him in. And did go back down? Did Ramos start? Probably not. Yeah, same with did Ramos. Any, and it's did just any other. <laughs> not or Donnarumma didn't start either. No. That's yeah, funny. so they're just kind of you know yeah. going to ease them all in. Um, it's just funny. I was thinking about this the other day with Ramos. Um, with all the years he's played uh, uh, at Real Madrid and the amount of tackles he's probably put on Messi, and now they're on the same team. It's oh, just, I know. They've had it, heated battles. Yeah, it's one of those things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you see that everywhere in soccer, you know, when you're playing against someone, especially if you're ultra competitive and, you know, Real Madrid-Barca, uh, it kind of explains itself in terms of the, the competitiveness. Um, 
you know, you'll play against someone obviously super competitive, but then you're on the same team. You're on the same team, right? You know, that's, this is how it works. Uh, just to bring it full circle back to the Champions League group stage that we were talking about. Uh, let's do a little predictions, boys. Let's do a little top two from each group. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go with City PSG for group A. I think that's unanimous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Atletico Liverpool, group B. It'll be tight, but I know there's got to be upsets somewhere, but I think yeah. that. Yeah, I'll go with Lady Liverpool. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably do the same. I feel like it might come down to Atletico and Porto, maybe in the last game. I'm, I'm not sure like, who the last game is, like who they play. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that last match could determine Atletico and Porto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who goes through there? Um, for Group C, I'm going Dortmund and Ajax. I would agree. I'm dropping dropping Sporting Lisbon out of that one. I would agree with Dortmund. Ajax. I was gonna say that too. I mean, yeah, they got. Uh... Yeah, I'm thinking about because I I don't know. I think Ajax will just have enough to go through against. I'm gonna go with that too. That's a good home crowd too. Yeah, the the Ajax crowd. Um, Group D, gotta go Inter Real Madrid. I mean, it's yeah. Shakhtar is obviously. I feel like they've been around forever, as like the, yeah. one of the Russian sides that goes through. Yeah. And Sheriff is making their debut. Team from <laughs> Moldova. <laughs> sheriff. Yeah. Is that an actual sheriff? Yeah. Thing? I mean, they unreal. have another. I think they have a couple other names to their to their team there. That's the best. FC Sheriff Tiraspol. Tiraspol. Yeah, that's Moldova. the best logo ever. <laughs> yeah, it literally looks like an old school Western yeah. sheriff's badge. Western <laughs> sheriff star. It's pretty funny. <laughs> pretty um, good. But yeah, Inter and Real Madrid, I think that could be yeah. a unanimous group as well. Uh, group E, Bayern, Barca, Benfica, and Dinamo Kiev. Yeah, Bayern and Barca, I would go. Yeah. You know, you know, Benfica, I think, not saying they have a chance to go through, it's just I think they would be a tough team to play against, but I don't see them going through over Bayern or Barca. Yeah, I agree to with be that honest. too. And uh, Group F. This is the little spicy meatball group. <sighs> I'm going Atalanta United. Woohoo! Atalanta does well in Champions League. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They showed up last year. Yeah. They did. Liverpool, was, wasn't that, was it them they were struggling against Liverpool? I want to say so, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm feeling Man U via Real for this one. Ooh, it's our first disagreement. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, I'm, yeah. There's got to be an upset somewhere. And I think this, I mean, it might be tough only because Man U's playing via Real first. Mm-hmm. Um, but that could also play in um, via Real's favor. Because you yeah, have via Real playing Atlanta in, uh, as their last match. Yeah, I might come down to that too. Yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting. But I'm gonna go with Virial and see, um, and we'll kind of see how that goes. Yeah, I'm gonna probably have to say United in Atlanta. I mean, I watched more serious uh, soccer last year than I ever have, and watching them play, I mean, 
it's funny. They're one of those teams where if they play like a mid like a midfield team mm-hmm. or like a late like a you know further back in the table team, they could easily win like four nil, five nil. Like yeah, they could yeah. pull off like a Man City victory and just destroy somebody mm-hmm. because they just attack in droves mm-hmm. when they play. But then when they get paired up against you know a top eight, top six side, it could be like five four or something. Yeah, because they just as many times as they can pump them in, they can let them in too. Yeah, I think like last year they were made they're either first or second behind Inter in goals for, but they were like in almost the like mid half of goals against. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So just saying that, I mean, it's going to be an exciting group to watch because I think it's going to be full of goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I do think United and Atalanta will prevail in Group F. Okay. Then Group G, going to have to go with Sevilla and Wolfsburg. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Interesting. What a call. Yeah. I mean, what's, what's really, the what's the, what's the it really depends on Lille's uh, ability to sustain what happened last year. It should, I like probably Lille and Sevilla. I would say. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sandy going off off the grid. Off yeah. I mean, Wolfsburg haven't been in, I think, Champions League in a long time. Yeah. So whatever they did last year, obviously, I I'm not. I mean, that's the one thing. It could be just like a momentum thing. It's like all oh, yeah. right here for the first time. Let's like go Gunzel with nothing to lose. So that could yeah. play in their favor. Yeah, I'm not too brushed off my Bundesliga yeah. <laughs> uh, knowledge, but I I don't really know how they performed last year. Yeah, but they got here. They made it. So that must have been yeah. something. They must have done okay. Yeah, <laughs> Probably, I think it might have been like a fourth place finish that they might have just snuck in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes like these like sneaky sides, they can make an impact. Eh? Yeah, I mean, one of them's gonna have to. I don't think it's gonna be the clear cut top two that ends up going through. It never is. Yeah. Uh, this one will go on Leo and Sevilla though. And then lastly, Group H. Yeah, this is probably a unanimous one, I'm going to say. Chelsea Juve. Chelsea Juve. The Iorio home derby. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just saying the other day how I feel like for so for so long, Chelsea and Juve never matched up against each other. And then, like, whenever it happened for the first time, there's been, like, 10 games since then. Yeah. In the last, like, maybe five or six years. Mm. So, in, in the Iorio household, it's always... Uh, Tense times yeah, when they I play, imagine. to say the least. Especially with your dad. Oh, gosh. No, he just gets quiet. Yeah, he's just <laughs> hoping Juve can squeeze it out against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, whichever way they go through, I mean, I think Chelsea has a good enough squad where even if they did finish second in the group, whoever they play in the next round, um, yeah, whether it be you know, a Man City or a Bayern, whoever wins their respective groups, I think they'll still have a good chance. Yeah. Juve will see. I mean, they've been. I wouldn't obviously call it a rebuild, but they're they're gonna have to change the way that they play. I think this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And last year, like I was saying before, Ronaldo was kind of the carrying force of the team. I don't think he was the heart of the team mm-hmm. because deep down, players like Chiesa and even like Morata and some other midfield players, and obviously the defenders like Bonucci and Chiellini, they were the heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. But Ronaldo was just the X factor that pushed them mm-hmm. over the edge. Yeah. And with him not being there this year, either some younger players like Killini's or Chiesa's one year older, uh, Weston McKinney is another year older. Um, you know, you got Ramsey there still, and Artur is like hopefully mm-hmm. going to be healthy this year, and they can perform better than what they did last year. Yeah, those guys are going to have to step up, step up for Juve. 
yeah. in more ways than one, either defensively, mm-hmm. either with creating goals, scoring goals, to try yeah. and fill that void that Ronaldo left behind. Yeah. <laughs> Ramsey, I bet he's happy about leaving Arsenal. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal. Don't even. Oh, yeah, so this next, was. Yeah, is. <laughs> yeah, so last uh, early morning game yesterday on Saturday, Man City, Arsenal. City 5-0 victors over the Gunners. Andrew Texas, 8.30. You guys watching this massacre? It's like, no, it's on. We're waiting till later. <laughs> you guys watch the highlights? Did you end up watching I watched the full game. Watch the full game. Watched the oh game. And, you know, it was it was actually interesting, you know, how Arsenal were pressing for the first little bit. And they actually looked good. You know, play was in Man City's half yeah. for, you know, 10 minutes. And then Man City go up the field and score. It's like, okay, they just, you know, they took their first chance. And then it was just like floodgates open. And it it looked like one of the easiest games I think I've ever, not ever seen Man City play, but probably seen them play against a top side. Like, is there no top side anymore? There was like just no, well, no, because there was just like no grit after going behind, which you would never see from a top side. Right. You pick yeah. any of the other top six, like Tottenham like even Leicester Wolves, like those kind of teams, they will still like claw at you even if they go behind. Yeah. Arsenal's like they lost. They, they lost after the first goal in. <laughs> yeah. First two goals go in, they're like, we're done. It was what was it, ninety percent possession in the second half for City? I yeah, think at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Like you would like what is happening? Like they lost five nil without trying to like, you know, they're like, all right, we're we're down we're going to have to press city and take chances and go forward. They lost five nil without even taking chances and trying to like, just really press city and going forward. So it's like, you didn't even do damage control. Oh, I mean, you just, I mean, they, they get a red card, but I mean that, that was evidently still, tough. Yeah. I mean, man city play like they're a man up anyway with the quality they have. So to them, just have actually have an extra guy and just work the ball around you. It's obviously, a very, very tough mountain to climb. Yeah, like from the opening kickoff, the first five minutes of the game was the best five minutes Arsenal might have played all season. <laughs> yeah. And then Gundogan scored in the seventh minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then from that point on, like you said, it's just the floodgates opened and Ferran Torres scored five minutes later. The Jaka red card in the 35th minute obviously really hurt them. Yeah. We were just saying how last podcast, Jaka is kind of the only... Um, you know, veteran force, or maybe like mm-hmm. the only person that will step up in the midfield and like give somebody shit for for doing something wrong. Yeah, and he does something wrong. <laughs> yeah, and out. that tackle was just something. I mean, else. that's the, the, like I was saying last week how they need like a Milner Milner on their team because he has that grit to like get at people, but he's not gonna make a stupid mistake. Yeah, he's like not that. reckless. He's not gonna go like that, knowing it's like I gotta be careful because if we go a man down, like then we're screwed. But like going into a tackle, like like it made no sense. Like a two foot tackle, like that. Two yeah. foot tackle, like no, like not really in any dangerous area mm-hmm. it's like i did what i did miss the initial like live showing of the tackle then i saw yeah. the replay afterwards and i told myself i'm like just pull one foot back yeah yeah like you can still go in with that intensity obviously he did go two foot studs up which is yeah. pretty ridiculous but i mean even if you went one foot in and had like you know a trailing mm-hmm. lane behind you but you still went in with that veracity mm-hmm. yeah you might get away with the yellow card. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't even think he made that much contact. 
No, yeah, I don't think that. I think he, it was just the it, ass, it was right? two feet. Yeah, you do, there's really not ever a reason I can see where you have to jump into a tackle with both feet. Oh, that's insane. Never. And like, especially guys, at that year. Where were they? They're like 35, 30 yards Like 40 out, yards out to the side of the box, both running like towards the touchline. <laughs> like not yeah. even towards uh, the goal. Yeah, it was, it was like, really reckless. Wait, what? Really reckless. Yeah, it feels like a last-ditch effort or something, like on goal. And like you pulled a stunt, like a stunt like that, then sure, you can kind of make some – yeah. case for it but yeah it was completely unnecessary um and then from that point on like you said like it's just they scored two more goals within 20 minutes and then Torres again 84th just to kind of yeah rub it in their face a little bit five looks worse than four five, Hot, five is a lot worse than four <laughs> yeah um but i mean is this what do we is this what we should expect from arsenal now going well, forward? i do get the sense that they're going to turn it around um, you know, I think they're too big of a club and, you know, they, they were missing a lot of guys. I think once everyone gets healthy and they get into the season, I think, you know, they're obviously going to start winning games. Uh, and I think it's probably just going to be another season where they finish maybe mid table, probably just, just in the lower half of the table. I think it's going to be another one of those seasons. They're just going to have to grind it out. Um, and they're just going to be continuing trying to rebuild, and hopefully they keep some guys and they pick up some new signings that can kind of turn this around for them because it's it's not looking good at the moment. I mean, a team like Arsenal, the fact that they have... I mean, the fact that their two best players, I would say, are Lacazette and Aubameyang, do you find it strange that they're not playing together at the same time? Not in a game like this, I would say. Yeah. But you, you rarely see it between... With Arsenal, you rarely see it happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think, sure. I think it's just the system they're playing. Um, real- they were with uh, Emery. They were playing together, weren't they? And it was going well. I think it was more than Arteta is playing them. Yeah. Like, I think, yeah, I think they there was obviously the, the time that they would play. Because like, on rare time or a couple games here and there, they just overlook or forget about. But under Arteta, I feel like they're playing either one or the other a lot. Yeah. And... I mean, when you go against City, obviously playing with with one striker might be the better mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, now you can't just drop more bo- more bodies back. And the lineup they did put out against City, I think, is a better lineup than what they had against Chelsea in the previous week. Yeah, because that was just—I mean, we checked it out, and it was a bunch of unheard of players. Yeah, they yeah. didn't know anyone was making their debut in the first game of the season. Yeah, and or second game of the season, sorry. And uh, I mean, like this game here, like. Odegaard made his official debut as like a like an official Arsenal player because he signed his transfer. Class yeah. um, and Ash got on the side this game. Chambers came in the side as well. Um, Aubameyang started. He didn't start last game against Chelsea. He came as a sub. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you're going to show some pushback, I feel like you should start your best squad. Yeah. Against the best teams, at least. Yeah, I mean. I starting with this lineup, I think is okay with Arsenal. When they went down two nil, you know you're not gonna get back at City with this lineup, right? So, you know maybe he could have put on Lacazette, taken off a defender, and it's like all right, either like that mentality, you're gonna either you're gonna lose two nil or five nil, but you're gonna go at the team and try and get something out of the game. But you know then you did a straight swap for a. a Aubameyang for Lacazette mm-hmm. and 
then they just still lost 5-0. Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, at least say, like, hey, beginning of the second half, we'll do, like, a high press. Even if it's just for, like, 10, 15 minutes just to keep them, like, off their guard. Because, like, obviously that's not sustainable, especially against City. But, like, at least do it for, like, a certain period of time and then drop back, like, after the fact and see if you can, like, scrap a goal back. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, now we'll defend and see if we can hit him on the counter and maybe tie the game 2-2 or something like that. But... I mean, yeah. There just seemed like no, no real strategy. Like obviously, it's a really tough spot to be at. Like yeah. You're down three 0 down a man going into <laughs> halftime against, against City. City. Yeah, very tough. Obviously, away. Arteta did. Yeah, away. Arteta mm-hmm. did the best he could. It was really a no win scenario after Jacques yeah. got the red card. What was interesting with City, and I think the commentators kept saying this, like they were crossing the ball like way more often than they typically do, and I don't know if it's an like just because they were playing Arsenal, knowing like, okay, they don't have strong, like tall, strong center backs that can deal with headers. Like, because like, oh, at the first two goals, Gundogan scored, and then uh, yeah. the cross came in for Torres, and like no one dealt with it. So I don't know if it's just because they were playing Arsenal, but so many crosses went in, and just even like Laporte and Diaz were just like running at the ball trying to get something on it to score. Well, which even, I thought was interesting. Even Bernardo Silva's cross that went yeah. through traffic and. And uh, they scored. Like I just got through. So, yeah, I think it's a good mix of, yeah, maybe lack of size for Arsenal, but also I think it's just like lack of team chemistry. Yeah, and skill, just all around skill. Because there's no way that Ferran Torres should be left wide open for his last goal (laughs) he scored there, that header. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I think it was holding, holding and Chambers were the two center backs there. Yeah. I think it was holding that just completely just overlooked him and like. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, like he just let him go in behind him. Yeah, he and got got into the box. No, no grab, no nothing. Just got in there, headed it in. No, no pressure whatsoever. And I feel like that could be also Pep's strategy, just knowing because he's a master tactician, right? Yeah, he probably just saw a huge weakness in Arsenal's side yeah. and said, "Hey, we can beat them on the wings. Like we can get past players like Smith Rowe and Saka, who are more attacking minded, I believe." Yeah, and then I mean, Tierney's a young kid that's coming up. He's pretty quick and pretty pacey, but. I think he's still a young player that takes that's going to take some time to develop defensively. Yeah. And he saw a lot of the crosses coming in from Bernardo Silva's side. Yeah. Like obviously with Gundogan scoring and, and Torres uh, scoring through the middle. So I think it might have just been Pep saying, okay, we're going to overload maybe the one side. We're going to take advantage of their lack of depth. Yeah. And we're going to maybe play through the wings more than playing through the middle, which I think is more Pep's style anyways too. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, even they were going through the middle too a lot. Like on uh, uh, the goal when Ederson had it and gave it, you know, a straight pass from his box right to Rodri, and he just ran like right oh, through the Arsenal heart. Yeah, I remember that play. And they just they easily just went through and they scored. And it's just like, you know, you don't got to put in a red card tackle like Shaka did, but you know, you got to do something. Yeah. You know, like Joe showed show some grit. His goal is nice, at Rodri's. Yeah, that finish, yeah, very, that was, very nice. Just side foot. You curler. know, even I was gonna say this. Uh, Grealish is just like meshing in. No problem. I think that comes down to Pep. Just like good team, because I feel like even most signings. I don't know if it's because like a lot of players are tired, like Foden and Mares and Sterling just need a break, but. Uh, just giving him minutes the first few games, he's just really meshing in well. Yeah, had to, he had really he was very 
good in the box with like intricate touches, mm-hmm. getting that final third pass and really create a lot of chances. So he's doing pretty well so far. Yeah, I, I like what I see from him. Yeah, so that's that's his style. Of, that's his style of play. He just yeah. kind of like fancy little footwork. Yeah, like nothing fancy in the sense of like doing stepovers and all that kind of stuff, but just quick feet. Let, yeah. find, like the the pass to Jesus for his goal was like, yeah, very very well done. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah, so hopefully he can get some goals under his belt, ones that he means to put in. Yeah. <laughs> Not like last week. And starts... he'll, he'll still feel like he has to score like a legit goal. That one was like a little... Yeah, he definitely he definitely wants to smash it home yeah, in the near future. He'll get his. I mean, get that guy's quality. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on. So I'm the only one that watched this match, the Liverpool-Chelsea match. Uh, so we're going to do something a little different here on the pod. We're going to do a little bit of a live reaction to the Liverpool-Chelsea highlights. Yeah. I have plenty to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, the boys, I think, know what happened in the match, but just to uh, get some context. Here. Yeah, get some more context, a little do more clarity. Videos. We'll, uh, At some point. We're going to see what happens here in, the, uh, in this oh. eight-minute highlight pack for Chelsea-Liverpool. Here good hit from uh, yeah, that's a young kid he's like 18 years old this guy uh elliot yeah i think he started the last two matches for liverpool all right i didn't know zuma went to west ham actually yeah that was today i was, I was surprised yeah that was today i mean with who chelsea have now um, alexander arnold just like hunting yeah, forward here we go cross. this should be cool. here we go How do you, that's oh that's a, is that henderson henderson on his left foot on a cross yeah from, uh, yeah that Man, if he could finish those chances, well, I don't think he's trying to finish. He should have tried to finish. Is it Lukaku? Yeah, probably the nice header. Wow. That. Who is that? Twenty-first minute. Oh, Kai Havertz. What a header goal geez. off the corner. Runs to the near post, flicks it far post over Allison. Do you think that was like? A, oh, we got that. <laughs> yeah, we have ads. I don't have. I don't have the YouTube premium, so we have to go through the ads here. Um, do you think he meant to do that? Hundred percent. To put it in, or just like get it a touch. Well, on I mean, get... running near post, it's it's hard it, to try and put it in from there. Off his head or his shoulder. It was head. They show the breakdown, or they show a closer a closer uh, replay. But yeah, from running near post like this, he gets completely unmarked. Just, oh, like, who's, like what? Yeah, yeah zero well, marking. He definitely tried it to, to, to hit it to the far post. Is it zonal marking? Is that why? Yeah, there's a lot of players in the six yard box trying to mark yeah. space. It looked like. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. I mean, no chance. Like, look at that. Look at the the margin of error. I mean, at that point, you're like, I just got to get a touch on it towards the neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It couldn't be tighter of a space. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Lukaku just being Lukaku. Lukaku just so strong. Yeah. Oh, well done. Yeah. Oh, you got to uh, finish. That's got to be a finish. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, Lukaku's <sighs> pissed. I mean, at one nothing, I think the best teams in the world would have realized, hey, we got to give it to, like, pass that across to Havertz and get the finish. So we can go up two nil because that's comes back to haunt you and that you end up tying the game. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. All right, so watch this play here. Boy, calamity to back. Jeez. Oh, yeah. oh, handball. Yeah, probably handball on the line. Yeah, gotta deal with that. So this Brutal. is the play of question. Uh, it's tough, See, man. But okay, here's they go to VAR and Anthony Taylor, referee, Please. makes the call and also issues a red card for that. Okay, I'm confused. So is James. 
<laughs> so is Reese James. He's confused as well. But here's what I, I've seen so many times where the ball hits the player somewhere on the body and comes up and hits the arm, and it's almost never called as a PK. I agree. So I'm con- like I'm super confused because I saw a game before where it hits off like the chest and then it goes off the arm, and they're like, oh, like hand to arm. Right. I'm wondering uh, I, if I, it's how he motioned his hand. Yeah, I think in this case, they were talking. They were trying to justify why it was a red card. I was losing my mind because I don't think I don't think it was red card worthy. I came out and said penalty. Yes, 100 percent. Because in that situation there, he he denied a goal scoring opportunity, clearly. And even though it was, you know, leg to arm, he had nothing to do with it. He had nothing. He didn't know anything about it. He didn't try and push his arm forward. Yeah. They're saying that if it did not hit his arm and it just hit his leg, it would have gone in the net. Like yeah. he didn't yeah. he didn't block it with his thigh in a way that the ball would come out as a rebound. It would have uh, gone in. Yeah. So they're saying that his arm clearly stopped the, go- the ball from going in the net, which yeah. that's their determination of why it was a red, even though he didn't make any effort to play the ball with his hand. Yeah. With his arm. I guess I'm, yeah, I, I can see, I can see the ruling around that because, yeah, it was, it was just basically like sliding off his thigh and it hit his hand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, I, the fiasco there with at the end there with Henderson and Mendy too. Yeah, from that point on, it got heated. Yeah, this is a really good match. I, I mean, I don't, I think Chelsea might have had one more opportunity in the second half to try and score, but I don't know the exact percentage number but liverpool just yeah. pumping. yeah they were pumping pumping and chelsea was still a lot of pressure yeah. a lot of scoring like, chances i mean that's the difference right there tiago silva puts pressure on Diago or jago jota or however you pronounce his name yeah just and tiago came on as a sub um two made some adjustments yeah obviously time. going to man off, down um yeah ooh. good strike off. by van dyke uh, Kai Havertz and put on Thiago Silva. Yeah. And he also took somebody off. I think it was uh, he put Kovacic on and took somebody else off. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Just to sure up that uh, that midfield and defense. Yeah, because. Yeah, it's getting pumped right now. Oof. Yeah, definitely sustaining a lot of pressure. <laughs> wave and wave after Liverpool attack. Uh, it kind of sets the tone for next few weeks, especially a game like this. You know, red card, top two teams like this just getting super heated against each other. Oh, yeah, for sure. And people were saying, like, after this match, Chelsea actually um, showed that they might be a better side than Liverpool because they did withstand all the pressure. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember some people were saying on Twitter, oh, just because Chelsea escaped Anfield with a 1-1 draw, this is good. this is why they're going to win the title this year because they have adversity because they can yeah, defend true. very very well. Yeah. Mendy like Mendy played <laughs> unreal this game. I mean, obviously yeah. the penalty had no yeah. real shot on. He was expected to save that, but he played lights out. Him and Rudiger were my dual men of the match. Okay, for this game, um, I think Rudiger and Mendy just both took control of the back line, and even Thiago Silva when he came on second half, he also played really really well. Yeah. Just clearing a lot of garbage and just making a mess for Liverpool in the 18. You have to do. You have to frustrate your opponent. Just like you know, that's what I don't think Arsenal has. Like it's kind of what the same situation. And you're, they're just like they're being sturdy at the back, frustrating, like showing some grit, like you know, 
doing with again having a good hold of Drake. Oh, you oh bad touch. I, yeah, yeah. This last score and play that Chelsea has in the eighty fourth minute. Yeah, and I was watching it and I said to myself out loud, literally anybody but Kovacic. <laughs> like, yeah. like in that situation, anyone but Kovacic could have made a, a better play on goal. Yeah. That's like a bit exciting game to watch. I mean, that's what I mean. Like, before the Chelsea of like old would have probably not tied that game. Right. I know. I totally agree. You know, there's there's countless times where um, Chelsea have been tied going in like late into a match against a top side, and they you know, blow an 88th minute lead or they mm-hmm. are tied and they, they lose it in like the 90th minute or so. I've seen yeah. it countless times. And I mean, I think under Tuchel, they sometimes sacrifice some offensive ability for a better defensive record. Mm-hmm. And it really showed last year that, you know, defense can win you titles or championships because yeah, in the Champions League final, they won the game one nil. Yeah. Kai Ivers scored his first, scored the goal early yeah. on the 25th minute, whatever it was. And, you know, for the next 65 minutes, they sat back, they defended well, they also put pressure on City. They played really, really well against them Yeah, in all facets of the game. And I feel like Chelsea of old, if they go up early like that, then they're susceptible to getting scored on. Yeah. You know, they're going to falter somehow. They're going to try too hard to score. They're going to, under Mourinho, they parked the bus too early. Yeah, and then they don't allow themselves to score. Yeah, so I think under two cool, they have a really good balance going. Yeah, yeah, and they're you know you can even see it in their reaction after the game where they were pumped. You know they're gonna probably chalk this down as a win. Yeah, for uh, sure. And it's gonna be good for their team, really. The team morale showing that they can go behind, get scored on, and still maintain. And they created that one chance to score. Uh, you know, evidently with Liverpool having almost twice as many passes as them. Yeah. Uh, you know, fair more possession, sixty six percent possession for Liverpool. But yeah, still, still withheld it. I mean, yeah, getting Ta- sorry, go ahead, Joe. I was just gonna pivot, looking at Tottenham. Like Tottenham's doing well. Yeah. Remember, like you know, with uh, Nuno. You know, I think there's something there. We'll see how it progresses. Who have they played? They play so City. Oh yeah, City. Um, City, Watford, and Wolves. West Ham. Was it? I'm not sure. Oh yeah, West Ham's doing well too. Well, West Ham's second. Mm-hmm. We'll see. It's gonna be tight. I mean, those. <laughs> like we always talk about, oh, like it's the top six now with Leicester. Um, West Ham's doing, like crushing it now as well. Yeah. I just signed Zuma as well. You know. <laughs> That's what that I mean. What, like the teams now, they're getting like the top, even the top ten. Like you don't know what's gonna happen. No. Like teams like that, especially, and that's what I think. Ars- just go back to Arsenal. Like sitting bottom of the table. If like if City were to play West Ham, they would get frustrated probably. With Arsenal, it's like no frustration whatsoever. There's no threat. You're not. Yeah. You're not scared of Arsenal anymore. Yeah. It's very. That's why it goes back to what I was saying. Like they need, they need some kind of power. Like you know, a, even a Zuma or like a Milner or any type of player like that that's going to have some kind of grit like that. You need one of those players. Right now, it's a lot of you like young youth players, mm-hmm. which is good to have. But you also need that experience on your team. Yeah, I mean the most relatable thing could be 
just in our neck of neck of the woods to the NHL comparison would be the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Like I've watching them over the last couple of seasons. They just keep developing youth players and they don't have a core of like veterans mm-hmm. that can kind of help them go over the edge. And their criticism a lot of the time was, oh, they're too young. Oh, they're too experienced. Oh, they don't have enough grit. They, mm-hmm. you know, they get all these flashy goals. They get to this, you know, deep point of the season or into the playoffs and then they can't get over the hump. Yeah. So they start to try and bring in like older players. They start to try and bring in some veterans that know mm-hmm. the game that have won before. So just in that comparison, that's kind of what Arsenal, you think Joe should probably start doing. Yeah, I think so. They're hard to come by though. They are, but you know, because those players you gotta stay, <laughs> you got to do it because like, people, because there's teams that understand the value of those kind of players. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. You might not like Milner doesn't play every game. Yeah, but, but well, just to have no, but I'm saying just to have him in your just squad, have guys like in that. the locker room. Yeah, it's huge. Even like Henderson as well, same kind of person. Exactly. Yeah, but there's just none of that in the locker room. I think you look at all the top sides; they all have a player like that. You want to rattle them off? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Well, Tottenham, like they have Kane, who's probably like that as well. Yeah, but we'll see what happens when he leaves. Um, but no, even their defender, like Vertonghen, you know, all those guys. You know, I, Tottenham's getting to. I remember several years ago, it's like, oh, it's a young team. Now they've kind of like stuck together, and they're all mm-hmm. now they're just like super. Yeah, like they're all growing together. Now. Yeah, which is, you know, we'll see how that develops. Little side note for Tottenham, Hoiberg is know, crushing, sick, crushing. Yeah. Man, he came. He came there, and I, I honestly was not expecting a lot from him, uh, going to Tottenham, and he's actually really impressed me. Crushed it for Denmark too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he signed. He came from. Yeah, he's with Southampton for a long time, and before that, he had some stints, you know, in the in the Bundesliga, a little bit with Bayern Munich, not Went enough on. to really make an impact. Went on loan a few times, and then he made a home with Southampton. Even yeah. like before he joined Spurs, I was like, just watching him some games, I'm like this guy's good. Yeah, like yeah. he he's the kind of player like that would go to Arsenal and make an impact. Yeah. Obviously, Tottenham sees a lot of value in him, too. Yeah. But um, just the way that he plays, he just kind of shores up the midfield. Uh, he just locks it down. And he can contribute a goal here and there, too. He's got some. He's got a good right foot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, obviously, yeah, with Denmark, too, he obviously made a, a pretty big impact with how they played this year in the Euros. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, really curious to see how he develops over his time at Tottenham. He's only 26 years old. Yeah, so got so got a lot of time. Um, really would like to see him just kind of solidify his his role there and and stick it out. Because Tottenham, you know, like Joe said, they're getting a lot of quality, and now with Kane staying, yeah, he's. Kane. I don't. I don't want to say this is their year because that's what they said last year, and that's what they say about every every team every year that starts off well. And obviously, being three three matches in is pretty academic at this point. Uh, but once we start getting into Christmas, we're really going to see how well, things start shaping up. Like they're not in Champions League, so no. you know they don't have to really worry about European football. I'm not sure. Like obviously they're in Europa. Um, I'm not. I sure. I don't think so. I think they finished outside. I'm not. I can't remember. The top but six. If I was them, you know, I would probably prior like. Don't put me too many resources behind Europa League. Just try and focus on the league, because you know, yeah, because they do need to win something. Yeah, they do need to win a trophy at some point. Uh, you know, because they've just 
they need to bring home some silverware for the fans. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, you're open for Tottenham. So yeah, good point, Joe. If so, if they just focus on the league, that's probably your best chance to like win a massive trophy. You know, I don't think (laughs) with Tottenham, I'm not sure if like, oh, we won the FA Cup. If that's necessarily going to cut it, they might not even probably won't even win that tournament. Um, because I think really I can only see. City is the only team deep enough to win like three trophies, multiple trophies, multiple yeah. trophies. They're so like probably one of the deepest teams I've ever seen. So the last match that we are going to hit on is the United and Wolves game. Game finished one nil United. Mason Greenwood scored in about the 80, 80th minute, or something like that. Maybe a little after seventy fifth minute. Um, it's a goal that I think I saw coming from him. He had a lot of chances this match, but other than that, I mean. There wasn't too much that happened. I think it was a lot of like midfield kind of battles. Mm-hmm. Um, people were saying that Pogba wasn't playing that well, and some other midfield players weren't playing that well for United. Um, I think though, like the overall performance from the team, that they probably did deserve the win because I think they did have more chances than Wolves did. But that being said, when Ronaldo comes in two weeks' time, what do you boys think the impact's going to be like? You know, um, it's it's hard to say, but I think knowing Ronaldo, it's probably going to be just more of the same from him. He's going to come in, be a poacher in the box, start scoring goals, and it'll just be interesting to see how much better he makes everyone else around him. Because um, obviously you have tons of new faces since Ronaldo was last on Man U. You know, basically a completely different team. Um. So it's going to be interesting to see how much better everyone else gets around him if he has the impact that he can have. I really don't see him tanking, if anything. Uh, so I think I think that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, with particularly the relationship he has with Bruno, and like, I mean, obviously they have Cavani. He's obviously really, really good. Um, I think this is gives them another dynamic they can use like a really you know good power striker number nine type figure really good in the air obviously um i think it's just a good option to have i think he'll probably get like you know 20 goals a season at least um like south said i don't i don't see him tanking but we'll have to see how he mess meshes with the team it'll be interesting to see how um he gets managed you know by the staff and things like that if they can get the best out of him, I think that'll be key as well. Yeah, you played a soul shower too, eh? I know. Like that's what I was mean, like how's soul shower gonna like manage him? Yeah, it's kinda of funny. Like in the I think it was probably two thousand I think Ronaldo came there in two thousand three. Mm. So Soul Shower's still there for a couple more years. So yeah, it'd be kinda of fun to see like how they you know, play together and then get managed by him. <laughs> um but yeah, no, I agree. I think the dynamic he's gonna bring is something that I feel like a lot of United players um, strive for like you see Martial and Rashford try and take players on a lot of times mm-hmm. 1v1 and I think they obviously have like a high skill set but they can't always like beat the player sometimes when they try mm-hmm. and I feel like a player like Ronaldo even though he is like we said um, you know falling back in age a little bit I think he's still he's still such like, a dominant presence you know what I mean like, mm-hmm. like I'd, if it was me I'd be scared shitless to see him Stand in front yeah. of me with the ball, like at his feet. I'm like, what's this guy gonna do? He's gonna screw yeah. me up. I'm gonna be on a YouTube video. I'm gonna be on some highlight reel or something. Oh yeah, by getting dummied. So, 
I think that just that overall presence that he brings plus like this like the skill set plus the maturity plus you know just mm-hmm. the um, experience that he brings to the team because mm-hmm. they, they are still like a relatively young team you know yeah, yeah. And yeah. they have players that have been there for a little bit now like Pogba's kind of becoming more of like a senior player yeah but when he shows up he's gonna really show his presence and really like hopefully take a couple of players under his wing maybe yeah I don't know if like that's totally mentality he he has like he still is for himself he's still Ronaldo like he's still yeah you have a huge ego. So I don't know if he's in the coaching stage of his life right now where he's going like, to lecture people and teach people. But I think overall, like, just his presence in the locker room, is I think it's going to make the team play better. Yeah. Well, actually thinking about it, just you talking about that, I think he's actually going to bring that element that they actually need. Like we've talked about the leader figures before. I don't think, obviously, a lot of people on that team, especially like Pogba, um, you know, a few others, Maguire, Hea, they have a lot of experience and they're obviously leaders and they want to win every single game. But I think Ronaldo, having been on Man U in their prime, Real Madrid, like part of the Galacticos, winning a ton of trophies, being part of Juve where like you have to win the title. I think he's going to go to Man U and it's like hold people accountable. It's like, guys, we can't like lose games. Like like when you talked about Sir Alex Ferguson, it's like, oh, we lost one game. We can't lose another one. I think he's going to bring that, you know, accountability to everyone else. It's like, you know, you guys were losing like we already lost the game this season we have to go out and win the second half you know i think he's gonna bring that because all the other teams he's played for are teams that have won the league mm-hmm. like consistently so i think that kind of standard he's gonna bring in the locker room is gonna be key as well yeah how he plays now he expects himself to perform i think he's gonna like, like mm-hmm. you said kind of make the team rally around him too and it's like this is how i play this is how i know how to win we have to play yeah. like this and you can't really really argue with him either, right? No, because he can back it up. I mean, like he's won everywhere he's been. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah, you can't argue with what he what he preaches in the locker room or what he tells you on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see for sure. Looking forward to it. All right, you guys got anything else to to bring up here or talk about? I think that's it. Yeah, I think covered everything. All right, I want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Footy Fans Podcast. As always, like and subscribe. You can catch us on Twitter at Footy Fans Podcast. I think it's called Footy Fans Podcast. We just changed it recently to Footy Fans with an S. <laughs> um, also, you can catch us on YouTube. There we go. With, uh, I believe just, we just searched Footy Fans, right? That's what yeah. I think it is. Footy Fans, P-H-A-N-S. As always, enjoy the beautiful game. And we will catch up with all of next week's action. Ciao, everybody. See you, everybody. Cheers. <laughs>